Welcome everybody to another workshop over here in the kiln. Today I've got hopefully a fun beginning journey of studying the GM's Oath, which is kind of a ubiquitous part of Index Card RPG, something that I think anybody who picks up ICRPG ends up like latching onto a little bit in a ways. It stands out as kind of a fan favorite. And so it's also something that gets brought up a lot in conversations as we talk about ICRPG. So I thought it would be a fun exercise to take each element of the oath, which I believe there are about nine, if I remember my counting correctly, to have uh, just to dive into each one of them. Now, Runehammer did a podcast episode of his RPG mainframe where he talks about the oath as well. So if you're ever interested in getting his thoughts on this you're welcome to go over there and check it out. But my effort today is going to be on what I've experienced with the GM's Oath, kind of my interpretation of it, or just at least how I have benefited from the Oath and what I what I think about, it, as well as kind of what I would recommend any others who were to kind of find it to look into, because we'll get into it a little bit later, but all of the principles are important, but only a few get mentioned often. But yes, without further ado, we're going to be talking about the very first principle, which is let the torrent flow. Now, when I look at this particular principle there, it's kind of available in either second edition and master edition. And they're very similar, although with master edition, there was a few edits. And so I want to read off the second edition, the ICRPG core version of this principle, because I feel like there's a few things that really I want to highlight. And so on page 71 of ICRPG core, it says, I will let the torrent flow. The creative leadership of the game is your burden and privilege. It starts in solitude with pen and paper. Unleash your ideas and adventures with, without structure, limit, or intended results. Sit with your journal, be honest, and jot down everything that pops into your mind. There's plenty of time to form structures, codify game systems, and make things uh, cogent. Simply let the river flow unfettered. This is the child's mind, the limitless mind. Make this your workshop. Now, uh... I don't know about you, and you're welcome to drop any comments in the chats as well, but for me, obviously the the concept of Make This Your Workshop stood out to me since we are literally in the workshop right now over in the kiln, and the concept of having something to work on is, is really important for me, um, as well as it, it really kind of emphasized a bit of, like, I like that he starts out with the torrent, let the torrent flow, and it's about creativity and the generation of ideas as a game master because this game master's oath highlights and brings to focus elements of GMing that I think we could all remember and a lot of the times it speaks to us as kind of resonating principles when we're GMing. So let's dive in and break this down a little bit more. So the very first element of the let the torrent flow is understanding the creative leadership of the game is the burden of the the game master the dungeon masters like yes there is a, a facet of players generating ideas and um like we get to pool and our players and listen to them and as we play games we can kind of mine them for ideas but the creative leadership of a game is the gms that's kind of where, where we're at. So as a, as a GM, understanding that that is kind of our call to action brings to mind that we should be thinking about this kind of stuff often, or we should be preparing ourselves and, and generating ideas and kind of developing the well that is our, our resources that we can pull on um, as we play. It It's a burden and a privilege because our the burden is it's it's a lot. I mean, no one. I don't. I don't think anyone can argue that GMing is a intensive activity, or you know, it's it's it can be taxing at times. It can be hard. It can be frustrating. It can be incredibly rewarding. 
but that is where it's both a burden and a privilege because especially when you have a group of players who are really empowering for GMs, like hearing about players who are very supportive of their GM and seeing and encouraging them and excited about the ideas that a GM brings to the table, that's incredibly fulfilling. For me, having having those kind of players around really like lights the fire in my you know soul and continues building the desire to, to keep doing this versus having a game or a hobby that drains me all the time would be kind of really frustrating and I probably wouldn't stick it out if I didn't have a constant flow of validation and kind of um, input that would build me up rather than tear me down. Now, getting into the creative side of things as well, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that I've, I've held on to for a long time and it's kind of a conversation or idea from John Cleese. And I'll, and I'll kind of touch on that really quickly because when I was preparing for this workshop, I developed my general thesis for what I wanted to say and kind of where I thought this principle really got to. And it's that the let the torrent flow principle is, you know, if we follow this, we should allow ourselves as GMs opportunity to play. And as we get, as we let go of structures, expectations, we will find more creativity. And I feel that let the torrent flow is more about allowing ourselves as GM, GMs to be creative more so than just having an pure onslaught of ideas because that's already happening. That's something that that's been mentioned before. The, the let the torrent flow principle is not about the torrent. The torrent isn't the key word here. It's let. This is something that, that Hankerin mentions. It's, it's that as GMs, the fact that, for example, all of you here listening right now are here listening, like you're already having an onslaught of ideas. You, you probably have a flood of inspiration that comes about. You're inspired by things. You're, you're actively digging into new ideas. That torrent happens and it is happening. But the part of the oath that we promise to ourselves is to allow that to happen, to get away from some of the structure at times and give ourselves permission to play as GMs, to develop our, you know, give ourselves opportunity to be more creative, to, you know, operate in the child's mind or operate unfettered. So that all comes from kind of the idea, the same idea that, that John Cleese presents, which is his idea of creativity. And how can, how can you be more creative? Because I don't believe that creativity is necessarily a talent it's not something that you're you're born with or you're not it's something that you can enable for yourself and it's something that you can develop as a um, as a skill that's more easily accessible to you so in a nutshell and I would encourage you to look this up and I'll drop a link to this eventually on the blog so you can easily find it but John Cleese did a kind of a TED talk inspired like workshop where he talked through all these. But in a nutshell, he proposes that if you want to be, if you want to maximize your creative potential, um, the first thing that you need to find is space, which is a, a dedicated kind of area where you can go and train yourself to be creative. This could be any place your desk, uh, the coffee shop, on the bus, whatever. It's just having a space where you can focus on being creative. It's kind of like the similar idea of where, um, it's, it's along the same lines of why people advise you don't read in bed. Your, you know, the, uh, your bed is where you sleep, okay? Your bed is, is where you go to sleep and your body knows that. Your body knows that when I go and lay down in my bed, it's time for sleep, time to go night-night. Um, but if you try to read in bed, your body, you're fighting the desire to read 
with your body's natural reaction go, oh, this is night-night. So eventually, if you're like me, I open my book, I read two pages, and I'm like, I'm gonna get, I'm conking out. I'm, I'm completely crashing or I drop the book on my face. So the first thing is finding some space. Giving yourself space to be creative um, is a benefit. The second thing is time. Dedicate, dedicate some time to to be creative. Put your put your you know give yourself time to work. So like if it's in the morning, it's in the evening, it's on your drive home, it's on your commute. Say I'm gonna work on this specific thing. I'm gonna work on my GMing and creating ideas for this amount of time. And and be and you know allow yourself there. Not trying to say oh my life is too busy. I'm gonna finish that. But giving yourself time. The third principle is also time. So time, time, so space, time, time. But this particular case is allowing yourself an opportunity to kind of rest on those ideas. So not, you know, so the longer that you can be, the longer that you can allow yourself to sit and stew on a particular idea, it allows your mind more opportunities to create new ideas versus something where you say, I literally have five minutes, I've got to come up with an idea. Um, you're not always going to find the most creative ideas because you've given yourself so little time for your your idea, your your mind to just perpetuate and generate ideas along the way and be creative. Additionally, part of that time is being okay with the uncomfortableness of not knowing. For example, um, if you have a game coming up and you're like, I don't quite know what monster I want them to face. Like, the longer that you can allow yourself to just not know that answer, the more time you're giving yourself to generate ideas. It's hard. It's it's hard to be be okay with uncomfortableness. But with create when it comes to creativity that that is a benefit if you can if you can learn to be okay with being uncomfortable and not knowing something or trying to generate those ideas then then you'll probably have a better time the fourth principle is confidence so understanding that when you're when you're in this kind of open space this kind of creative mindset there's no mistakes and this is where my thesis when it comes back to my thesis which is playtime when we're trying to generate ideas and we're trying to allow the torrent to flow we have to be okay and trust and believe that there are no such things as a mistake it is play time like there there's there's a freedom where if we let go of structures of expectations of inhibitions of like the need to balance and just allow ourselves to play as we're generating ideas, more thoughts will come because we're not bogged down with, oh no, this is, I must I must think of the correct ability to give this monster. And this idea that I have, no, no, that, that couldn't be right. That's that's wrong. Okay, don't do, don't do that one. Oh no, that's also wrong. That's too strong. That's too overbalanced. That's, that's too weak. That's not gonna, like, <laughs> you, like, you can see how stifling that can become if that's, our worry and our concern when we're just trying to be creative. So having confidence that it's okay to just go for it and not make, and there's no mistakes with what you do. Um, and then the last one is humor. So in John Cleese's mind, you can obviously see that this would benefit him as a comedian, but humor allows us to just quickly get into that play, playing mindset. Um, like, for example, okay, I'm going to talk more about this because this was kind of a recent example for me. So yesterday I was working on and I just was trying to be creative and come up with a monster that I really just, I just wanted to do. I was just practicing. I was just, you know what, I want to, I'm just going to work on a monster. And I came up with a streak, right? So walking myself through this kind of creative process the first thing i did i went to my desk this is where i work i found my space right 
the time that I gave myself is I always give myself some time in the morning before I go to work and before my family wakes up. So I'm usually at my desk working on something at like six in the morning because that's the time that I can give myself. The third principle is time, giving myself time to think through it. I probably sat for about an hour just ruminating on what I could create. I, I was like, should I do a video? Should I do a blog post? Am I going to do a monster? Should I do a map? No, I'm going to do a monster. What kind of monster? I'm going to come over here and Google things a little bit. And I'm going to come back over here. Oh, that's a cool piece of art. Okay, I'm, I, let's, you know, and so I just kind of sat in this <laughs> and it was it was honestly kind of frustrating because I did have conversations with myself and it's like, I'm just wasting my time. I'm just totally, totally wasting my time here thinking about like what's happening. Like I should be doing something. I could be doing something else. But I just kind of let kind of push those to the side and just let myself rock against the idea of creating this monster. And then once I finally found the art and I was kind of inspired by what I was where I was headed, I took you know, took heart and just started coming up with like a working through my worksheet. I was like, okay, what's their, what's their name? Um, it's a, sh it's a shriek. I'm just, that kind of sounds cool. They probably have a really awesome, like shrieky noise. I'm going to call them a shriek because I like to name monsters as if like I was a villager and this thing was like parole, uh, like haunting the, the edges of the forest surrounding my village. And I'm like, no one like if i was a villager in this village and i'm not going to call it the great grasping finger clawed you know beating heart shadow man like that's not what a villager peasant would call it who's scared of it at night like no the, the local kids are going to call it a shriek because that's just the quick easy name that they would call it so that's where i usually go with monsters and then i was like okay he has one heart he has two actions whatever and then it's like the confidence was Oh, he has a shadow claw. He does this. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. There's not a question of balance. Is it going to be there? And then it's like, okay, he's going to do shadow grass because I think it's cool that he can reach out and grab this thing. Oh, and he has to have a shriek thing. So what does he do for shriek? Oh, he, uh, charisma roll. It's choose a move or an act. Blah. No mistakes. No mistakes. I just, if I had an idea, I wrote it down and went with it. And then the last one is humor was i thought it was kind of funny i honestly liked the idea of a shriek and i put down one of his challenges was he's frightening well based off of the actions that i did is like what would be scary is all get out oh he ignores defense oh he has a dirty trick that he is incorporeal that would be frightening is all get out you know like i'm gonna be terrified of this thing and i'm gonna laugh about it and so it allowed me to create this monster that I oh, I probably wouldn't have come up with otherwise. Like I just, you know, through the course of of digging through these this creative process, like I came up with something that I didn't know was there. I didn't plan on it. I didn't I hadn't been ruminating on it, but I'm actually really proud of that shriek monster. And I'm really proud of what it could do or, or how it's built and I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out in a game but it's okay I allowed my GM mind to play around with an idea and if I implement it in a game and I'm wrong that's okay like I'll learn from it if it if it kills a player like well it would be okay we'll have a fun time and if I learn something from it all the better that's that's the point of letting the torrent flow because I was just playing. I was playing as a GM. And that's that's kind of the first thing is we're in a hobby that we should be allowed to play rather than thinking about all the other banal things that we have to worry about when we're doing this stuff. Like, I want playtime. That's what I want. So that was in a nutshell what I've learned from, from John Cleason putting that into practice. But benefiting me from there but um let's let's come back we're gonna pull it back into the other principles of the the of the principle let the torrent flow 
Okay, so let's let's come back to the idea of we have the creative leadership of the game. We've talked about that, but we also need to allow ourselves to unleash ideas without structure, limit, or intended results. So, in my my shriek uh, shriek monster example, like I did that. I I did not have any intention for what I wanted. I didn't have any limits to what I would come up with. I didn't have a structure to it beyond my worksheet, which is just kind of my my personal flow for creating monsters. And for me, this is this is probably the the biggest roadblock that I witness as I interact with others in the community, in my personal life, in different games, is that ability to unleash ideas without kind of hesitation. Right. Obviously, I totally understand. There's there is a constant pressure and a constant worry that that what we're designing or what we're putting out or what we're prepping for games is going to be wrong, or that we're doing it incorrectly, or it's going to be unbalanced, or we're not gonna we're not gonna follow the best principles of what what other GMs have done or what they've said or what they've advised or. Or it won't be you know, like I get that, but it's so important as GMs to learn and permit you give yourself permission to let go of all of that. Yeah, easier said than done. I get it, but practicing that can really benefit our our experiences as GMs. Like I I, I love watching all of the creativity that's happening in the workshop. There are so many cool projects happening. But I also see so many projects that kind of face roadblocks as that that anxiety sits in and that questioning sets in of, am I structuring it correctly? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it well? Am I, you know, it, it's okay, it's okay. What I want people to understand is that it's playtime, that it's it's okay to just play, to, to create ideas. You have awesome ideas. You have great ideas. You're doing something great. As as we've talked about with Torn and we're looking forward to talking about with Chris, like you're doing it for the sake of doing it. That's that's the first principle. Do it because it's fun. Do it because you like it. Do it because you gain something from it. And there will be a time for structure and everything later, right? Right now, if you're following the Let the Torrent Flow, learn how to release your ideas without, you know, without hesitation, without any. This can benefit from like when, when, um, when you sit down for like a brainstorming session. Okay, the benefit of brainstorming is not in filtering and searching for good good ideas. Like I, I see this at work. I see this like in just in you know all the things. Whenever we sit down for a brainstorming session, wherever you, you know, whatever you need, it's it's uh, you have this this kind of temptation to go. Okay, okay, like that's not a good idea. I'm not going to write it down. No, 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 no. The true power of brainstorming about developing creative, you know, creative and letting the torrent flow is all of it all of it anything that comes to mind all of it because this process of releasing those ideas will provide all of the stepping stones that you might need right if you forget or if you refuse to let one of those ideas come out you may be missing a critical stepping stone that will get you to the idea that you haven't even thought of yet that you'll really like that you'll be proud of like you need those random ideas that flow into one another, even if they're disconnected or if there's no rhyme or reason for how you got from point A to point B by stepping on, you know, stone X3 and pi 42 and this banana, you'll, you can still get to where you want to go to because you dropped all of those ideas out and it freed up your space in your mind then this is you know once all those are there then you can start filtering things out but you'll have them and that's more beneficial than than without them 
that that can then move into the structure, the codify, the balancing, all that kind of stuff to make sense of it all afterwards. But right now, that's not the point. Like, um, yeah, like like coming back to the coming back to the shriek. Okay, when I when I dropped that that monster in there, there, uh, like, I can totally understand. There's questions of like, okay, this thing is an absolute beast. Can he can he do this? Can he do that? Um, really good uh, conversations that need to happen at some point, but in the point of creation, not important. Like, like Chris brought up a good example. Of like, could this monster do this with this character? Probably, but I'm not going to do that because it's GM. But do I need to say that explicitly? I don't know. That's where playtesting, that's where things come out, but in the point of creation, it didn't matter, and that's okay. We'll always have time for structure, codification, balancing, formatting, layout, presentation, all of that fun stuff that's much more rigid and structured later. Right now, we want to enable playtime that our GM minds need. So... Um, let's think of like other, a few other kind of examples for for kind of how we can get into that child's mind and why playtime is really like where this is your workshop. This is why I really like the second thing, the second edition version of this principle is understanding that this is your workshop. When you go into your workshop, you do whatever you want. You do you play however you want to play, and you allow yourself the freedom of all that. So let me let me say uh, like another example of how I like to let the torrent flow in uh, example of GMing. So my process for generating a, a game and prepping a, a game. Right, this is how I start with the, letting the torrent flow. Um, as you guys know, I'm a very visual person. I, I do like my art. I've practiced, you know, my, I play primarily on the VTT. And so combining the need for a VTT and visuals, my general process for prepping a VTT, uh, a game online is I, I find art. I, I, I start with the VTT prep of building my backgrounds. I may have a general idea of what happens, but what I end up doing is it's like, okay, um, this last week I played a game where we were playing Root, um, we were playing the uh, ICRPG conversion of Root for my sister, and I was using some some materials and trying to convert it and doing the best I can, but I was still trying to figure out what the, the adventure was. And so it's like, okay, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to to stop at a dock. Okay, so I found a picture of a, of a dock. All right. Um, and then I started looking around for some other art. It's like, okay, then the next place they would go to, there's always a sea tavern on the dock, so I'm going to find a tavern. Okay, um, there's they're talking with these factions. They're talking with the, the rebels. Oh, okay, so they're going to... They're going to, you know, find a rebel base. Okay, found a rebel, uh, a picture for a rebel base. Um, they're going to then, they're 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 going to go on a mission. Okay, what kind? Of, okay, so they're going to go into a base. Okay, found a castle. Um, they're inside the castle. There's uh, the cellar. Okay, find a cellar. Okay, they're going to find, you know, a hospital. Okay, here's a hospital. Okay, then they're going to. They're going to find the docks are on fire, you know. So like it was just a process of ruminating and processing all those, and then I found the art. And then after I found all the art, I got to look at each one and like again ruminate about like here's the art and just it's just gonna I'm just gonna sit with it for a minute. And it, it's like okay, this dock scene. Um it's there's gonna okay here's a few people here's some guards here's some citizens 
you know what, maybe they're going to, this, the guards are going to be roughing up this civilian and this, the ventures are going to step in and try to stop, you know, let that sit for a little bit. You know what, oh, you like what make more, you know, I like better. What if there was a checkpoint that they have to get past? Cause I, I don't like, I don't necessarily want to do a fight real first. Uh, okay, come back. Okay, we're going to do this. They're going to, they're going to, the very first scene, they're going to show up on the dock. They're going to have a charisma, they're going to have some charisma challenges and maybe some dex challenges or, or wisdom challenge, whatever, to interact with a few denizens. But their main challenge is getting past this checkpoint as they're facing the soldiers that are looking for alliance member rebels, rebels, and these guys are looking for rebels. So they'll have that conflict that they have to stay hidden and they're going to make charisma. They're going to make charisma. Okay. When I first said Doc at the beginning, I didn't know that this was going to be a charisma challenge. I didn't know that this first encounter was going to be a matter of getting past a checkpoint or essentially, we essentially played who can get past, who can get through customs the best and who can get through customs while hiding the, the dusty gem that the Doc Master happened to hand them because they rolled funny on the, rolled the random table. No idea that that was going to happen. But when I first set out, I didn't know that. But when I finished, it was something that I was excited for and I was proud of because I allowed these ideas to slowly generate and slowly develop and to be okay with not quite knowing. I mean, I, I had essentially like a week to prepare for this and I didn't entirely know what the scenes were gonna be until like Thursday. And the game was on Saturday. So I ruminated in that uncomfortable, anxiety-inducing stress of having a game that I have to prep for. Uh, uh, when I, that I had to prep for, in two, that I was going to run in two days. But if I would have just stopped early on, it would have been going to be a combat encounter there's going to be a bunch of jerk guards they're going to be roughing up and i'm going to like right out of the gate we're going to be in, in combat mode and i guarantee you after you know now that i look back at playing it if i would have had a combat scene at the very beginning of that we never would have finished finished the adventure because that would have taken forever just because they were learning they were you know getting a feel for the rules they were having fun together like a combat at the very beginning would have shot that game in the foot and it probably would have ended up being a little boring for both me and for the players. But I was really proud that I started with a more creative idea of of a charisma check, of, of this customs pass that they had to get through. Um, and it really set the tone for the rest of the game in a way that, that really drove it forward and, and, and yeah, it just played into it really nicely. But I, I never would have gotten there if I would have stopped or, 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 not allowed myself to be unfettered with my ideas and and work, or and played around with my with my prep. So, that's that's something that I that for me I see I see constantly. And I experience that when we allow ourselves to let that torrent flow, which is already happening as GMs, we can end up with more creative more exciting more empowering ideas and it feels more like play than a job or an expectation we've permitted ourselves an opportunity to, to play which is really the point of it all as gms that this is play time for us so why not treat it like play um but i'd love to hear from you guys as well as we've talked through it. So if you want to raise your hand, we can have some open discussion about the letting the torrent flow in this first part of the oath and how how you guys can uh, see. Yeah. Hey D. How's it going? There we go. Can you here it's a little choppy but glad to oh, have you sorry oh, oh there the cat moved so i can turn the fan off now <laughs> oh um, boy yeah <laughs> the 
there we go. The audio should be better now. Um, yes, uh, great examples, Kane. I, I loved uh, being able to make this one. Um, I, I, I'll just start with your last point there about the session you ran last weekend and yeah. starting new players with um, with that charisma on the docks. Um, are you going to... I'm sorry, I haven't looked in the server to see if you shared any more about that yet, but um, are you going to be sharing some more about it? Because I started with Grey Hill Inferno and it worked okay, but I'm wondering if something like what you did would be a good way to introduce new players. Mm. That's a, that's a really good question. No, I haven't shared much else, so you haven't missed anything, but I totally can share more. For for me, I think it could go go either way. I I do believe that Grey Hill Infernos was an excellent choice for how you started out players. Um, yeah. If you're cuz in the in the second edition version of Grey Hill Inferno, um which I think is just the Grey Hill Fire. It starts yeah. out. With, it starts out with like, here are some archers. You've got to get past them up to far. You know, get up to far past them, whether you sneak or fight them. There's two of them, um, and that's kind of where it starts. So you do start with a combat, which is totally fine. It introduces distance and and movement and choices between uh, fighting or not. The uh, Grey Hill Inferno starts it where you're locked inside of a burning gel cell and you have a timer, so it introduces yeah. timer effort really quick, which adds a lot of pressure and it can it can introduce key elements quickly. The benefit that I saw from starting with a charisma roll versus combat is that it was more of a, a low key threat to players and they're, they kind of were still figuring out who they were, how they wanted to play. And so having more of a low key threat gave them space to learn and understand, okay, if you make this choice, here's, here's a consequence that might come from it. So for example, um, a player went up and it's like, I'm a big, strong arbiter. I'm gonna like step in and be like, what's going on here? Da 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 da. <laughs> and, which was great character building and it did set the tone for that, but they rolled a, a nat one when they tried to make their their charisma roll. And uh -huh. so so they, they got it, they like, hey, back off, you know, kind of a thing. And so the player, the player, like I didn't punish them for doing that option because like, I don't want them to think that that's not something they can do. They just rolled so poorly that it's like, okay, look, here's the, here's a, action and consequence mechanic where it's like look you did something which was awesome but you failed so here's the the natural consequences they now know like they've they've marked you so if, if they see you again like they're gonna like call they're gonna like recognize you more easily as well as you've now set everyone else on edge so the target's gonna go up by one awesome but it didn't prevent them from like moving along and it didn't hurt them at all. It didn't hurt anybody. It just kind of made things a little tougher. And so that it was, I don't know. I think for some players starting with something low key, which can be beneficial, which worked out for this game. But sometimes you do want some players, like you got to get them in the action deep, which is what I think the Grey Hill Inferno does really well. So I think yeah. it just depends. Um, I, and I really like what you did having their quote unquote fail affect things. Like they still feel like they did something. It's not like, oh, I'm worthless. I need to leave the table. So I, I love yeah. that you improvise like that. Um, I'll say two other quick things and then open it up for everybody else. Um, I, I did laugh um, when you used the example of when you were talking about finding your creative setting where you can just let your creativity flow um and and you said okay like you don't do your creative stuff in bed um but i laughed because i'm uh disabled and i actually have to do like half of my reading in bed so i can stretch my spine and and um you know let my lymph fluid out of my feet and stuff like that um but i just 
I just wanted to share that, like, if, if you can't find a perfect environment, just go ahead and, and improvise. Like, you gave great examples of you, you can on the bus, you, you can at your desk, um, uh, on your commute, things like that. Uh, so, like, some people who have a small space have a certain lamp they only turn on for doing their creative things. Cap, like, you, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was just like, and I, that's a really good point to bring up that like, yeah, like don't read in bed is an example. Cause it's like you, you're the, you're, what am I trying to say? Your mind and your body like learn and yeah. Um, what is it? The Pavlovian response? Is that what the, the term is? Like when, when, when this little trigger happens, something else triggers, triggers in you. So like, if I'm thinking Correct. of it. Yeah. So like, for me, when I lay down in my bed, it's sleepy time. But for someone uh -huh. else, that can be a perfectly acceptable uh, like place to be creative. I know, like my wife, like she does all of her jigsaw puzzles, like sitting sitting in bed, and she just it's just very it's a very relaxing space for her to just kind of like ruminate on things as she does her puzzles. Uh -huh. That that would never fly for me. But I but like. I love like what you said, like in bed on the bus, like it's it's training your body to respond to certain stimulus and it can be an aid for that creative to kick off that that creative energy. Like you put the hat on, turn the light on. I've never heard of those, but those sound awesome. Yeah. Um, and just lastly, I think I saw C Sand was typing something in the chat and I just wanted to give <laughs> a chance for anybody who uh missed but but thanks so much i'm looking forward to uh chatting more on the server perfect no thank you this is great comments all right let's see all right let's bring chris up hey chris Um, so far, can't hear you, but welcome, welcome. How's this? There it goes. Tech is going to tech, I tell you. Yeah, different computer, different settings. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to uh, call out about um, this topic is uh, there, there's another there's another mainframe episode I think where Hank talks about. Um, refilling uh like refilling your reserves so the basic mm -hmm. idea is you can't output genius ideas non-stop every day without refilling the reservoir from which those ideas come right mm -hmm. and so um one aspect that is really important important I think to being able to like tap into this creativity is to consume a lot of things mm, um, I think there's a real talent I don't I don't I don't know that I necessarily have this this talent in the way that some other people do but some some people are able to watch any mundane thing and like convert it into D&D &D ideas right mm. um, I'm sure you've seen that plenty yeah. of time Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's like a, I think that's also a skill that we can build. Um, you know, I went and watched the new Shazam movie with my kids last night and, um, was intentionally like trying to watch it, looking for opportunities, like where are the ideas that I can use here? And I think we can, we can become more intentional about how we refill our reservoir of inspiration. Mm -hmm. So then once we once we have filled the reservoir of inspiration, I think part of letting the uh, torrent flow is when you sit down to generate ideas to free write. Mm -hmm. um, I know if you watch, uh, you know, Hank, Hank is a is a, a, a limitless. Um, source of inspiration, but it can be frustrating watching him work because he's so articulate. Mm, um, yeah. He would never own up to this, but um, 
the way he the way he generates ideas and uh, puts them down in his journal as like these clear bullet points, um, and he does it with like this like uh, what's the word like a fluency that yeah that, that I, I can't achieve right, mm-hmm. um, and so if we're trying to emulate that, I think you know that that may not be a winning battle for a lot of us. So I find that what I do have is like, I call it associative um, uh, thinking disorder, right? Like, like I don't generate a lot of ideas uh-huh. out of thin air, but I react really well. So, you know, people will say, you know, this, you know, this idea and I'm like, oh, and then a ton of, you know, ideas pop up in my head. And so I'm like, well, did you think about this? And then that goes mm-hmm. on from there. So I have to do that to myself, right? Mm-hmm. By sitting down and I just start writing. And it's that same thing, no judgment. I'm not trying to generate anything specific. I'm just trying to create like movement in my sludgy brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might write four or five pages sometimes just literally like i will write down questions i will ask myself questions on the page rather than putting them in my mind and what ends up happening i don't know if anybody here are programmers and write code but as you write if you write down everything you're thinking that creates a breadcrumb trail of your thoughts and you can refer back to where your thoughts came from Whereas if you're a big shower thinker, like I think a lot of people are, you get out of the shower and you're out of your element. And now all that, all that thought is gone, right? It just sort of drifts off like a dream. Um, If you write down all of your ideas in series, you have a history there that you can refer back to. And I find that really helpful. And I will stop. Oh, you're doing great. No, what you're, so for me, um, I'm going to hit two two birds with one stone here. One, I'm going to answer Trolldwig's uh, question, and I'm going to address something that I was thinking about as CJ was working on his siege question yesterday um, that you brought up to mind. So the first one is, like you said, um, you pointed out, like, this creative process, developing that torrent, is is a you, you need that constant refilling. So, like... Choldwig asked, do you need do you find that sometimes you need to go on a journey of discovery to find the source point, that single idea of inspiration that releases the torrent? Yes, absolutely. You need to search for constant senses of like sources of, of inspiration. You need to search for things that inspire you. Um, like you were saying, Chris, like as you generate ideas, like that breadcrumb can lead you to that that thing that's gonna release the torrent. And kind of get you the sludgy mind moving again so yeah absolutely like going for journey to discovery but i also think part of that inspiration is going back to what cj was working on was like how do you run a siege battle and for me i was thinking about well if you want to understand how to run a siege battle in an rpg you need to watch lord of the rings you need to watch those movies and and extrapolate how helm's deep was shot scene by scene and how it worked and, and how the Battle of Pelennor Fields worked. Because um, when you look at when you look at those, you have so for example in uh, Helm's Deep, you have a scene where Aragorn and Gimli are like, hey, you've got this row of orc these Urukai that are coming up to the main gate to bat with the battering ram and they're gonna smash it, smash it. And so Aragorn and Gimli are gonna jump out and, and defend defend the uh, defend the, the pass the the gate, and they have to make a dex check over. Um, Aragorn uses his strength to boost Gimli up and across. Then they're they're fighting, and then that is the scene. Like the rest of the battle does not happen. It's not happening. It's just it's just background noise. But this is the encounter that's that's occurring. But you got Legolas over here who's fighting on the walls and knocking down ladders and. He's using arrows, whatever that deck's happening. Or you go to Pelennor Fields, and you've got, um, you've got what is it? Is it no? It's it's uh, Mary or Pippin. It's it's a uh, Pippin and 
man, I'm failing. Don't judge me. They're facing the Witch King, uh, Eowyn, yeah, on the fields. And that is the encounter. They are facing the big boss together. And every the battle is happening around it. Like, to me, this is you gain inspiration. You learn from it and you develop, okay, here's my starting point. What, what makes that scene work? And then I get to creatively ruminate on that scene, on what's happening. And I can come up with more ideas of, okay, well, I'm going to have an Urukai or, you know, an Urukai or an Orc run in, or there's going to be a, suddenly, uh, the, the Nazgul is going to rear its head and now they've got to like chop its head off. And this, so if you th- you sit and ruminate there, then you can eventually go for it. But yeah, like you need inspiration. You need to develop that. You need to track what you're doing and give yourself permission to, to do what you're saying, Chris, which is like, write everything. It's okay. Think about everything. Think about what you're doing and give yourself permission to just write or ideate or, you know, imagine. And if you track it, if you write it down, especially why it's so good to have a journal um, or notions or um, a voice recorder or whatever, you can track that back and maybe find a new branching point to move off of and remember and refer back to those things. I really appreciate everybody's coming up so far. Chris, thank you. I'm going to move you back to the audience. Just want to say thank you. We can finish out with any final questions if we have or any final comments. I'm really grateful for any of the, all the stuff that's happening in the chat. If not, we can very much look forward to having this up on the Kill blog, um, which you can be- refer back to and share. Really grateful for anybody who's kind of sharing these these thoughts. I see them pop up on the, on the servers every now and then as, as references. Um, we can also look forward to our next workshop, which will be in a couple weeks. We'll be talking with, with Chris again about uh, world building for the sake of it. I'm building off of some of the stuff that Torn has also shared in his in previous one. If not, I just want to say thank you, everybody. We'll look forward to the next workshop, and we'll catch you guys on the servers. Please continue this discussion if you wish, and share what you learn and what you think about as the day goes on. 